And appreciate that. And uh, by the way, um, we will be having our Camp Bake Off fundraiser tonight. And I just want to let you know about that. And uh, you say, what is that? We're going to auction off uh, desserts that some people have made. And, uh, and the whole idea is really to raise money for camp. And so uh, our church has, for years, uh, praised the Lord. And that is all glory to God that we have been able to, to uh, help send our young people to camp. And uh, that's a great influence. And that's not my message this morning, uh, that you will hear more about that tonight uh, as we'll kind of look at, at youth and, and camp and all of that this evening in the evening service. But I want to encourage you to be back for that. And then choir practice uh, will be at 5.30 this evening instead of 5 o'clock. And uh, I think you're supposed to have their bake-off stuff here at like 5. So if you want to bring that stuff and, uh, and those who are, are involved in that. Uh, and then we'll have regular service at 6 o'clock and right after our service uh, we'll have our bake-off and so we'll look forward to that that'll be good all right if you have your Bibles open up to Proverbs chapter number 24 Proverbs chapter number 24 it was some years ago um, well it, it was actually only about a year ago maybe a little longer uh, maybe maybe a year and a half ago that I I went through the book of Proverbs on Wednesday nights in our church but it took us almost three years to get through it and uh, uh, so it was uh, it was true that it was a couple of years ago but it was also just a year ago uh, but Proverbs is a phenomenal book and, uh, and I'm not going through it on Sunday mornings. It just last week happened to fall on that. And I, I, the Lord just put this verse on my mind. And, and, uh, and so I've been thinking about all this all this week. Proverbs chapter number 24 and verse number 21. We'll take our text there. And I would ask that you would put uh, a, maybe a bookmarker or something there as we will look at a few other scriptures but we will ultimately come back and land at this passage. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 21, the Bible says, My son, fear thou the Lord and the King, and meddle not with them that are given to change. For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of of them both. Let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to be in your house on a Sunday morning. God, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that, uh, that we would get something from you this morning. And God, I pray that you would just move and work in the hearts of each and every person here. And Father, I'll certainly thank you and give you the honor and glory for all of that. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. As I think about this verse, I, I've thought about this verse. It's been on my heart for, for the past week. Uh, it says this, this phrase right here, and meddle not with them that are given to change. You know, change can be a positive thing and change can be a negative thing. And here in Scripture, we find in the book of Proverbs uh, that, that it says, hey, meddle not with them that are given to change. And I want us to think about that, and we will get to that because it does deal with the negative change. And it seems like in our world today that many Christians are pushing toward a negative 
change. Uh, and that is, uh, I've often said, you have the two, two polar sides there. You have God on one side and you have the world on the other side. And Christianity many times uh, is, is trying to see how far they can get away from God and still be okay. And to me, that's just the wrong direction. We ought to be trying to get as close to God and as far from the world as we can. Uh, but that doesn't seem to be the direction of many, uh, many mainstream Christians and Christian churches and, and ideals today. And, uh, and so I want to look at this idea uh, of being given to change. Now, uh, I started looking up change throughout the Bible. And uh, I thought, boy, you know, you have to balance there because uh, there is good change. And I thought of several of the good changes. And uh, the very first good change, I actually call it a great change, uh, that takes place. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you can just note that down if you don't want to turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17 says this. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, Therefore... If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I thought of that song because, or I thought of that verse because of this, and I thought of that idea of a great change because of the song that I used to sing in, a, in, in our youth group when I was a teenager. Uh, and we would sing, There's been a change, great change. Since I've been born again. Boy, I almost forgot the words. Um, and maybe you know that song. Maybe you sang it as a young person. But I remember singing that song. And I remember singing, you know, the, the things I used to do. I don't do them anymore. The places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. And, and we throw in all kinds of verses there. The music I used to listen to, I don't listen to it anymore. And our favorite one is the girls we used to date. We don't date them anymore, you know. Because there's a great change that came into our life. And I say that to say this, that not all change is bad. There is good change, but I would have you know that this change was initiated by God. God births that change into our life. And the moment we get saved, hey, that our life ought to change. You know, we all have, and we know this, when the Bible lists it for us, we all have that old nature. Did you know that human nature is, is our common thread amongst all of us? Every one of us are born with a nature that is displeasing to God. Now, some of us have, have a tendency towards this thing or that thing, but in, in the root of us all, we have the same sin nature that, that, uh, uh, that had, was come uh, from Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden. And the Bible says that, that it was passed on to all men uh, for that all have sinned. And so we all have that. We could go through and name them. And uh, basically there's many lists in the Bible of uh, uh, lying, stealing, perversity, drinking. And all of these can all be summed up in one verse where the Bible says, 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, that is what our flesh desires. And by and large, our flesh does not desire godly things. That's just an intricate fact. Most of you probably woke up this morning 
and, and something happened when you woke up, your stomach growled and said, feed me. And, and your flesh on a daily basis says, feed me. It's fleshly desires. Now, there's nothing wrong with eating. Uh, that is a natural thing that we all desire. Uh, and, and those are some things that go along with it. But listen, uh, there are fleshly desires that are sinful that we do desire. And so the Bible says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. Not just the lust of the flesh, but the lust of the eyes. Boy, if you ever have, have watched commercials uh, or, or, or gone shopping, uh, boy, they know how to appeal to the eye. You notice in the Garden of Eden when, when God tempted, or not God, excuse me, when Satan tempted Eve, you know what he said? Notice the fruit. Hey, it's good to what? To look upon. Doesn't it look good? And boy, they know how to satisfy the appeal of something that would appeal to the eye. And I'm just telling you that there are fleshly desires. There's things that our eyes desire that are not good. And he goes on, and the next thing he says, and the pride of life. And, and really, you could take all of our fleshly nature and fit it into one of those three categories that, hey, it's a lust of the flesh, it is a lust of the eye, or it is something that is prideful in nature that says, hey, I want to be in charge. I want to be in control. I want to be the guy that calls the shots and nobody tells me what to do. It's a prideful thing that comes into our heart. And I'm just saying that our old nature can be summed up in those three categories. And we all have it. But praise the Lord, if we get saved, hey, there's a new nature inside of us. And, and then we have that great change that takes place in our life. And it ought to take place because the Bible says, old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. Hey, listen, our life ought to change at salvation. If I, if I, uh, if I went to your house this afternoon and I moved into your house, I tell you what, you would know it. You'd be like, what is going on? They're, these boots, they weren't here this afternoon. I kicked my boots off at the door. And, and, and you say, man, there's something is going on. And then you see me sitting in your, in your favorite recliner. Like, what is this guy doing here? You'd be like, man, that is weird. What's, what are you doing in my house? Hey, listen, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God moves into your life and you will know that somebody is living inside of you and it'll be different. And you'll say, man, there's something different about my life. I, I tell you what, I, it concerns me when people are like, yeah, I get saved, but nothing changes in their life. It concerns, I'm not saying they're not saved, but I am saying I get concerned about that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God moves into our life. And, and, and listen, you cannot live as a saved person and do the same things that you used to do and not feel bad about it. Because God's not going to allow that to take place. 
He's going to convict you. He's going to show you, hey, that is not right. And I've heard testimony upon testimony of people that have gotten saved. And, and listen, the Holy Spirit of God moves into them and the Lord starts to convict them. Hey, uh, listen, you need to start doing this. You need to start doing this and you need to change this. And God starts to work in your life at the very moment of salvation. That's that new nature that's taking place. Hey, listen, that's positive change. That's a good change that takes place. You ought not be fearful of that. Now, I'm not saying that you won't ever struggle with sin because you will struggle with sin. But the reality of the matter is those are changes that are good things that ought to take place in the life of a believer. I find a good example is Mark chapter 5. We don't have time to go there and we don't have time to read it this morning, but I encourage you to note it down. Mark chapter 5 and verse number 1. I believe it goes down through about, about verse number 20, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, and there was a, a, the maniac of, of uh, Gadarenes. And he was, uh, we wouldn't, uh, maybe a maniac is not the right word because reality, the Bible says he was demon possessed. And so, uh, so we have this man, and listen, he's probably an extreme case of a, a sin-filled uh, life. And I, I get that. I realize that. But you know, the Bible says that Jesus got off of the boat, and this man uh, ran to worship him, and Jesus cast the demons out of him. And you'll remember the story because there was a herd of swine, and the demon said, hey, uh, don't, don't just cast us out. Let us go to the herd of swine. And so Jesus sends those demons to the herd of swine, and they run over a cliff, and they all die in the ocean. And the townspeople come out, and there's a whole backstory to the uh, that they give about how this man uh, lived in the in the sepulchers, and he was naked, and he cut himself, and he was uncontrollable in reality, and no man, the Bible says, could tame him. They had tried many times. But I tell you what, Jesus came into this man's life and in verse number 15, the Bible says this, and they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with, devil, with the devil and had the legion, and listen to this, sitting and clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. You know what happened? Jesus came into this man's life and it changed Three phrases, I could preach an entire message on just this right here, and I have, but, but we won't this morning. Uh, number one is, he was, he was contained. He was sitting. No man had ever been able to tame that man before. Matter of fact, they had tried. They had bound him with fetters and chains, and the Bible says that uh, that, that man would break those things as if they were nothing. He was contained. Listen, God will, will change your life for the better. This man was contained. Not only was he contained of his own free will, but I want you to notice this. He was clothed. Boy, he ran around naked before. Hey, listen, God cares about what you wear. And listen, a lot of Christians haven't even figured this out, but, but listen, uh, we ought to be clothed. God, God cares about what we wear. And, uh, and I'm just saying that we ought to dress modestly. We ought to be careful uh, that we're not showing off our bodies to everywhere. We ought to be covered, hey, from the neck at least down to the knee. And, and, and listen, if it's so tight that it leaves nothing to the imagination, it's not modest. We've got to be careful of that. This man was clothed. 
his life was changed. He was contained. He was clothed. I love this part because the Bible says he was setting in his right mind. He was calm. He was sitting there at the feet of Jesus. And I'm just telling you that Jesus Christ will change your life from the inside all the way to the outside. He will change your spirit. He will change your mindset. He will change the way you look and the way you dress. And I'm just saying that Jesus Christ will make a change in your life. And it's a good change. It's a, we'll go better than good, it's a great change. What about a growing change as we think about this idea of change? Go with me to 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2, right after the book of Hebrews in the New Testament is the book of James and then Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 2. And I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I just want us to see that there are good changes that take place. One is the great change of salvation. When Jesus Christ saves us, he changes our life. In 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 1, we find a growing change. And that would be that our life would change as we grow closer to the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse number 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Those are some of the, uh, the, the works of the flesh. Those are some of the natural things of the flesh that we are supposed to lay aside. Matter of fact, Colossians talks about putting off the former things and putting on the new things. But we find here he says, hey, lay those things aside. In verse number two, he goes on and he says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. He goes on in verse number three, if so ye be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. He's saying, hey, that you're going to grow. You ought to desire the milk of the word of God. If you're saved and if you're born again, then you ought to desire the word of God. Listen, newborn babies, generally speaking, when they're born, you know what? You don't have to convince them you need to eat. They're hungry. And, and you know what? They naturally eat. Matter of fact, they will let you know, I want to eat. They, in their tiny little cry, ah, you can barely even hear it. You say, it's so cute. It is for the first couple of months. Then it gets stronger. And at midnight and one o'clock and two o'clock in the morning, it's not so cute anymore. But they're crying. Why? Because they desire that milk. Why? Because their body needs it so that they can grow. That's their nourishment. And listen, as a believer, you're going to desire the sincere milk of the word. Hey, you, you might not uh, realize that you need it, but you really do need it. And getting into the word of God and opening the Bible is going to cause some change in your life because you're going to grow. And listen, uh, those, those newborn babes, uh, mine are grown. Now, I don't have any newborn babes, so I'm just going off a of Memory. Uh, but I do remember this, man, they, they grew and they changed. And it was like, man, they didn't even wear their clothes out and we're getting rid of it. Well, we didn't get rid of it because we had so many, we just kept it and passed it to the next one. But it was like, they, they only wore this thing like three times and, and, and it's all done. Why? Because they changed, they grew. 
Hey, listen, as a newborn babe in Christ, we ought to be growing in our faith and there ought to be changes that are happening on a regular basis as we realize, hey, we've got to get closer to God and we've got to grow in our faith and we've got to learn more about God and we've got to, uh, to do these things. And it's a natural reaction just to being saved and being born again and growing in the things of God. I used to tell my kids when they were younger, I don't know, 10 or so, and I told them, well, I, I quit growing. And really, I had. And then, and then they, they turned 20, and, and I started growing again. But I wasn't growing up anymore. I was growing out. And, and, uh, and they all make fun of me now. They're, You're still growing, Dad. I'm trying not to grow. But, but listen, even as mature Christians, we, we may hit a mature state, but we ought to continually be reminded of things that we need to do in our life and things that we need to clean up and things that need to change in our life. And listen, there are so many things that's a natural result. Just to name a few faithful to church attendance, uh, offerings, witnessing to friends and reading the Bible and prayer. And, and really, boy, that, it goes right along with our Sunday school class this morning for the adult Sunday school class and walking in wisdom and, and walking with God that, hey, we're constantly uh, drawing closer to God and that's a growing change that's a good change and it also comes about as a result of our salvation again that's a God initiated change in our life those are good things what about a glorious change we won't go there for sake of time, but 1 Corinthians 15, 51, the Bible says, Behold, I will show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Boy, that's a good change, I tell you what. To, have, to be rid of this corruptible flesh to be rid of, of these things, and that's going to happen someday. Hey, when that trumpet sounds, what is it talking about? Hey, listen, the Bible's very clear that there's coming a day that the trump of God will sound. Hey, listen, and those who are saved and born again, the Bible's very clear that they're going to be caught up out of this earth. And listen, we're not going to be here any longer. And the Bible says, I love this, because it says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Well, I'm excited about that. And I... I don't think it'll be much time between the two. I think it just split second. They're going to rise and you won't even have time unless you're standing in the cemetery to see it happen. But then, boy, you're going to take flight and we're going to be out of here. What is that? Hey, the Bible says that we are going to be changed and we will not have to fight with our flesh any longer. And what a great change. What a glorious change that that will be. And let me tell you something. That also is a change that is initiated by God. That's not something we can control. Matter of fact, all three of those great change at salvation is something that, 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 yes, we call upon God and He saves us, but listen, He's the one that does all of those changes in our life. And then growing by the Word of God and reading and studying and learning from God, that is something that is just innate and it comes from God and, and it's something that ought to be a natural thing that occurs. And then the glorious change, that's something from God that we can't initiate, we can't make it happen, but God can in our life. And listen, all of those are good changes. But then we have this passage back in Proverbs chapter number four. 
And if you're not there, go back with me to Proverbs 4, excuse me, 24, and verse 21, the Bible says, My son, fear thou the Lord and the king, and meddle not with them that are given to change. And as I look at this passage, those that are uh, given to change generally are, are man's ideals and man's idea for change. I want you to notice the first part of this verse. The Bible says, verse 21, Fear thou the Lord. I want you to notice he starts out with a loyalty to God. He's saying, hey, our loyalty ought to be to God Almighty. Uh, and listen, loyal means true to any person or persons to whom one owes fidelity. And listen, if God has initiated a change in our life and saved us and we're growing in, in our salvation and we're uh, not growing to salvation, but we're growing in our salvation, meaning we're becoming more mature as Christians and, and one day we're going to be gloriously changed, then listen, we owe a loyalty to God who has changed our life. He starts out and he says, fear thou the Lord. Listen, uh, we ought to be uh, loyal to God. Listen, we're committed to all kinds of programs. Man, we are committed to sports programs. We're committed to our favorite ball team. We're committed to Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks and, and, and Speedway and O'Reilly and Giant Eagle and, and all of these loyalty programs. Do you remember they used to have the, uh, my wife had one, it was a keychain and it had these little mini tags. Man, it was an entire keychain filled up with all these little loyalty things. Every time you go there, uh, let me find the right one and you had to scan it and all of this and, and it was loyalty and, and you earn all of these points and there's rewards and benefits for all of this. Hey, listen, how is our loyalty to God this morning? Hey, how is our, uh, how is our points going with God? Now, I'm, now I'm not saying God, we, we talked about that in Sunday school. I kind of chuckled because it was, it was already my message. We have all these loyalties, and, and man, we're, man I, got, I got so many points with uh, Dunkin' Donuts, and so many points with this one, and so many points with that one. Hey, listen, how's your points going with God? Are you reading your Bible? Are you, are you faithful to church? Are you praying? Are you giving? Are you witnessing? Are you, how's your loyalty points going with God? And listen, he's not up in heaven notching down this and that, but I will tell you this, that God does keep track of what we're doing. And he does care about how we live our life. And I'm just saying that we need to have loyalty to God. He says, uh, fear thou the Lord. We need to be committed to God. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and, doth, and, and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. I'm just telling you, what you do for God is, is laid up for all of eternity. Sometimes we joke around our church and people will be doing stuff. And I, I'm pretty sure on Saturday when we had that work day, I, I said it to somebody and, and, and they said uh, they, something about pay was mentioned. 
And then invariably, when somebody mentions something about pay, I, I'll just tell them, uh, I'll retort pretty quickly, man, the pay is out of this world. You probably won't get anything physically, but man, you're laying up treasure in heaven. In reality, hey, look, that's what we ought to be doing, is laying up treasure in heaven and looking to serve the Lord. And, and he says, fear thou the Lord. I won't spend a lot of time on this, but I will mention this. He does say in the second part of that, and the king, loyalty to government. Let me just say this. I lived in a third world country for, for, for many years. And matter of fact, I just heard on the news the other day, the fourth president uh, in a row of the country that I used to live in is being extradited back to that country and probably going to serve prison time. I'm just saying it doesn't pay to be a... I, you couldn't pay me to be a president of a third world country. I'm telling you, they are always racking them up and throwing them in jail. You don't retire. You might as well die in that office because it's bad, bad news. But I'm telling you this, and I know our government's not perfect. I don't advocate that it is. But I'm telling you, usually those that are pushing for change have an agenda that's not good. Those who desire to overthrow a government, generally they want to overthrow the government because they want to be in charge. And I'm just saying, we'll leave it at that. Because the Bible does say, hey, be loyal. Be, fear thou the Lord and the King. We ought to be loyal to our government. And I, I know when the, when the government crosses religious lines, then we're loyal to God first and foremost. I get that. That's what it says there. Fear thou the Lord, he's first, government is second. But I'm just saying, we'll leave it at that. But I want you to notice loyalty to the Lord. Look with me in verse number 21, the Bible says this, My son, fear thou the Lord and the king, and he says, And meddle not with them that are given to change. We find there not only loyalty to the Lord, but we find there a lookout for those who do not fear the Lord. Hey, listen, there's a large amount of people that have no fear of God in their life. And they are, they are brazen about their disregard and, and, and even disdain for God. And listen, we ought to be careful of that. I'm just telling you, look out, because the Bible says there, meddle not with them that are given to change. In other words, hey, they, they, they don't fear the Lord, and, and they don't fear, uh, but rather they, they're concerned, hey, that they want to change everything. We need to be careful of them. There is a lot in New Testament Scripture that talks about that change. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 14, you can note it down. The Bible says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slay of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. I'm just saying there's a lot of people that desire to change this and to change that for change's sake and not even for good reason. And we need to be very careful. The Bible tells us, it warns us in that verse in Ephesians, it says that we be no more children. Hey, listen, we ought to grow to a maturity uh, where we understand doctrine. And, and he says he, that, we're, that we're not tossed to and fro. You know, a child, I used to pick up my children and I'd, I'd take and, and toss them up in the air and catch them again. 
Some of them liked it and some of them didn't. Some of them spit up on me. But you can toss a child. I, I'm not going to pick up a single adult in here and toss them in the air. There's a lot of reason for that. Okay? I'm not doing it. A child can be kind of tossed around. Even in their ideas and their mental capacity, they're still learning. They're still growing. But we ought to hit a place in our spiritual maturity where, hey, we are not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes down the pike. It seems like, I'm telling you, ages and ages have gone by and, and men have brought this in and thrown this in and there are so many ideas and, and, and new philosophies and new doctrines that come out. And I'm just telling you, hey, listen, we need to be careful of all that stuff and just stick to the old book that God's given to us. Hey, we don't need to be given to change. We don't need to meddle, the Bible even says, with those who are given to change. You notice the last part of that verse, it says in Ephesians 4.14 that they're driven, they're carried about by every wind of doctrine. And it says, by the slay of men. And it says this, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Boy, that sounds like a slithering snake in subtility. Brother, Brother Tannis mentioned this morning, and I thought, he said, he said man, I, I don't like a snake will slither up behind you, and you turn around and make them scream like a little girl. I'm glad I'm not the only one who uses that expression. I mean, I don't, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time in the woods. I've hunted. I enjoy hunting. I, I've not gotten to go, but, but I enjoy hunting. I tell you what. Man, I, I sat in the woods when I'm hunting and I'm ready and, and every ounce of me is paying attention and I hear a crunch, I'm like, that's a big deer. And I hear a crack and I'm like, that's another big deer. And half the time, it's a stupid squirrel. Chop, 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 pops out. I'm like, where's your horns and why ain't you like 300 pounds bigger? You can hear, the, you, you hear almost every, a, a bird lands, you can hear it in the woods if you're paying attention. But a snake, you don't hear them. That thing will slither right up on you. That'll be on your foot, and you will not even know it's there unless you look down and see it. And I'm just telling you that there is cunning craftiness that people use to draw Christians away from the Lord, to turn our focus from all kinds of crazy things. And we need to beware. Hey, listen, that's not the only verse that talks about it. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 30, Paul warns the preachers. He says, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. He turns around in Romans chapter 16 and he writes these words in verse 17 and 18. Now I beseech you brethren mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them for they are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. 
I'm just telling you, it, it appear, this is not a new thing. It shows up over and over. Go with me to Colossians chapter number 2, uh, and we won't read all the passages, but I'm just telling you, it is a common theme throughout the New Testament that the Apostle Paul and the others are warning of, of changing doctrine and changing positions and changing all the ideology. And listen, the majority of our, our Christian churches, boy, they are swinging to the left, and, and they're going all different directions. Why? Because they're meddling with people who are given to change. We need to be careful of that. Colossians chapter number 2 and verse 4 through 8. Look at what he says. And he says, and this in Colossians 2, 4, he says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet, I, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving Giving, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And there's a warning given in the New Testament to beware of all these false ideas and false doctrines. I had in my notes, I put down, listen, we're not Calvinist. And the reason we're not Calvinist is because that's a man's doctrine. We're following God. We're following the Bible. You say, preacher, well, they, they got it from the Word of God. Listen, you, won't, you will never become a Calvinist just reading your Bible. You won't. Uh, you, have to, you have to start to really put things together and, and come up with all these strange ideas and, 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 and take some things out of context in the Bible. And what is Calvinism? Calvinism is this, the idea that, that God elects people to be saved. My problem with that is then God elects people to be damned for all of eternity by default. And listen, that's not a Bible philosophy. And I'm just telling you why. Because there are many teachers out there today, they're all over the internet, they're all over the radio, they're all over TV, who are, are, are publishing and broadcasting all of this stuff of Calvinistic theology that, that, God will, uh, that God will elect those who are saved. Now listen, my Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. My Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I'm just telling you, there's, there's all these things that are out there and, and all these things that we have to be careful of and we need to be aware of because the Bible says, meddle not with them that are given to change. I've known and I've heard of a lot of people that have, boy, they've changed. They've changed their doctrines. They've changed their Bibles. They've changed their standards. And most of it is man-initiated, not God-ordained. And I'm just telling you, we need to be careful. God changes things. He changes us when He saves us. He changes us when we grow. He changes us when we get to heaven. But I want you to notice back in our text, 
In Proverbs 24, in verse number 22, notice this. The Bible says, For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both. I want you to notice their sudden destruction. We see the leveling of them. They don't see it coming. It's sudden. And all of a sudden, boy, the carpet's yanked out from under them. And they're flat. They're level. They're done. Their calamity will rise. But I want you to notice this as well. The Bible says in, in verse 22, the last part, and who knoweth the ruin of them both? I read that and I thought, who is that both? Well, I think it's those that are meddling with them that are given to change. Those who are, 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 are well, the, you know, that's really interesting and, and this and that. I'm just telling you that we need to be careful because there's those that are given to change and it's man initiated, not God initiated. I hope it's clear in the scripture, hey, God does change our life. There's a great change that takes place at salvation. There's a growing change. When we grow in our salvation, we ought to grow closer to God. But hey, listen, there are some things that we really got to be careful of. Because there's a lot of churches, a lot of Christians who are given to change. And the sad thing is, I'm, I'm not mad at them. I tell you honestly, it breaks my heart to see where they, I've already seen it happen time and time again. I know the end of that road. I know where it leads. And I can tell you today, churches that have closed their doors because of that, they meddled with change. They were given to those who meddled with change. I've watched churches that changed their music change their Bible, drop Baptists off their sign, and then close their doors. I'm telling you, it's, it's historic. It's a regular pattern. And I'm just telling you, we need to be careful. The Bible says, meddle not with them that are given to change. There's a great change that God initiates in our life. But there's a dangerous change that man will initiate if he can. And we need to be careful with every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet this morning. Change can be good if God initiates it in our life. Not all change is bad. But there is a change that is bad we need to be careful of. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, I pray that you would be with each and every person that's here. And Father, if there's one that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, God, I pray that today they would put their faith and trust in you. God, maybe, maybe somebody's struggling with change. Maybe the world, the flesh, or something else is pulling at them. God, I pray that you'd strengthen them. God, I pray that you would help them to see what changes from you and what changes not from you. And to be very clear in their life. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every heart as only you can. God, I pray that you would help us 
to be loyal, faithful to you. God, I ask all of these things in Jesus' name, I, I pray. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning and the piano's playing, maybe you're here this morning and, and you'd say, I don't, I don't know the Lord as my own personal Savior. Matter of fact, I, I've never experienced that great change in my life. But I sure would like to. I'd like to ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I'd like to know how to do that. Would you raise your hand this morning? Just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'd like to know how I can be saved, how I can put my faith in Jesus Christ. Just raise your hand, slip it down. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, Pastor, the, the world pulls. Listen, I, I know the world pulls. It pulls at us every single day. Our flesh pulls us away from God every single day. Maybe you just need to pray and ask God to help you as you struggle against the flesh. You're welcome to come to the altar. You're welcome to bow there in your pew and ask God to help you and strengthen you because there is a pull to bad change to be maybe less faithful to church, less faithful in your Bible reading, less faithful in the things that you're doing. As the music plays, the altar's open. If God's spoken to your heart, I'm going to take a moment to pray. Ask Him to help you, strengthen you. He will. He can.